Well, hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. Um, I'm Christine. I'm here with Nate. That's me. And Sung. Woohoo! And we're continuing to talk about things we, we wish we knew. Um, and we, last week, we started kind of a, like a mini series within the series on things that we wish we knew about marriage. Um, so I'm, I'm getting a lot of life lessons. Yeah. I hope you're, I hope you're taking notes. I guess you can listen to the podcast. (laughs) 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 Um, so yeah, Sung, what are we talking about this week? You gave us a sneak peek. Yeah. We're talking about conflict, disagreements, Mm, arguments, fights. Um, my favorite thing for the good of the podcast, I'm going to start a fight with Christine on air, oh, and, then right. we'll, and then we'll sort it out <laughs> for the good of everyone who's listening. Ding ding ding! Oh, sounds, Round one sounds great. <laughs> so, uh, may, l- let me just open this up to both of you. Is there anything you wish you knew? Uh, and let's put in the context of uh, uh, any relationship, <clears throat> but marriage or marriage and or marriage. Uh, about fighting and conflict mm. that you would tell your younger self. I there's like a million things. I think they're <laughs> going to come to me the more we talk. Okay, I don't have anything like right on the tip of my tongue. I I mean I th- I may have mentioned this in past episodes, but I do have something on the tip of my tongue, which is literally the first time I had ever heard that there could be healthy conflict mm. was when I started at Grace. Hmm. Really? I, yeah, I remember N- Nate in like our. Um, like on in my onboarding session as he was giving me like, this is who we are at Grace. Mm. He was like, we are a people who seek healthy conflict instead of unhealthy peace. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to have to give that some thought. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I think I had always seen, you know, I was like, oh, we, we're supposed to be a people who seeks peace. Mm-hmm. And yeah. seeking peace <laughs> means, you know, we both, we both concede or what's mm. the like... Compromise. Yeah, we, we yeah. compromise. We don't we don't fight. That's yeah. you know, and, and realizing like, oh no, sometimes like healthy conflict is the only way to reach healthy peace. Yeah. Sometimes um, it is. Was revolutionary. Hmm. So I'm excited to talk about this. That is so true. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is something I wish I knew. That's a good one. That mm-hmm. that sometimes the only way to get to healthy peace is through healthy conflict. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thanks for joining yeah, us. <laughs> I had the exact same thought. I was about to hit the music just because it was like, all right, good. We've done it. That's what we need to talk Mic about. drop. That's it. No, that that is really true. And, and I see this not only in relationships and marriages, but even organizations mm-hmm. where unhealthy peace. And yeah. there's... um. Uh, a woman, I don't remember her name, but she wrote a book called The Art of Gathering. Mm. And uh, she has a TED Talk. Watch it. if you. Can. There's one line she says in there that is worth the whole TED Talk. And I'm going to butcher it because I, I, I don't have it written down. But it's something like, unhealthy peace is as destructive to community mm. as unhealthy conflict. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You Sometimes know, I would even say more. Yeah. Because in some ways, uh, in some ways, like with unhealthy conflict, you sort of know it's unhealthy. Right. You mm-hmm. sort of look at it and you're sort of like, oh, there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. Like you should not say that to another person or you should, you know, mm-hmm. you sort of see it. But unhealthy peace, it, it feels like it can all be under the surface. Yeah. And yeah. so you don't realize that sort of this malice or, or, you know, hatred or whatever is growing mm-hmm. until suddenly it can't 
remain under the surface anymore yeah. and then yeah. you have like this explosion and I, I will say you know just even like going back to last week we talked about expectations it's like trying to figure out unspoken expectations is so much more stressful than not being able to meet <laughs> yeah. spoken expectations yep. yeah <laughs> yeah so i grew up in a family where there was uh, unhealthy conflict yeah my dad and i constantly yelled at each other but we we i mean we knew what the issues were and things mm-hmm. were always said that weren't necessarily true but you felt in the moment mm-hmm. right Amy's family comes from unhealthy peace mm-hmm. where you don't say anything. You shove it under, under the rug and you just pretend everything is okay. And so you can imagine when we first got married, <laughs> say, those first couple of years must've been some smooth sailing. <laughs> and uh, especially in the early years, it was just like, I'm, and this is true in general, whenever I get worked up and not necessarily angry, I start speaking faster and louder. Mm. Mm-hmm. And for Amy, she'd be like, "Why are you so upset?" Right. It feels like it feels like a fight from her end. Yeah, and then I, and then I'd be exasperated by her thinking that, and I'd be like, "I'm not upset." He yelled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you could see again where the dynamics of conflict and, and mm-hmm. understanding. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's an equivalent book of like five love languages of like five you know mm-hmm. uh, conflict languages. Oh, you should write that, man. <laughs> yeah, that is honestly. a bestseller. <laughs> The five fight languages. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, there, there are, like, you grow up understanding f- fighting and conflict is dealt in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's partly shaped by your, your personality, but also your upbringing. And, and so um, I, I think one is just to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. that you come into a marriage with a certain way of uh, dealing with and coping with mm-hmm. disagreements or tensions in a relationship. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, there's like two steps to that, right? You like look back and you say like, oh, how, wh- where did I grow up? Or like, what did I witness? And am I, cause then a lot of us, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, I witnessed unhealthy conflict, but I like don't engage in unhealthy conflict right. ever because I like pushed so far. Yep. So like step two is like, okay, am I living into that? Or am I, like pushing myself so far to the other end. Yeah. Um, and I think just knowing like, where did I come from? Where am I now? Yeah. And yeah, then really moving good. toward where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good because I think you can, you can swing the pendulum so far mm-hmm. that you just, you know, it goes in a full circle. <laughs> yeah. you, find, you find yourself on the backside of, yeah. of whatever unhealth you're trying to avoid. It just, yeah, yeah. it looks different. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And I would even say it, it's not conflict that destroys marriages. Mm right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the cold, the cold shoulder, the disengagement, the smoldering resentment underneath the surface that breeds kind of this attitude that eventually leads to the dissolution of mm-hmm. a marriage. So d- did you ever read there, they like did a, a relationship study mm-hmm. where they would put couples in a room and have them disagree about something yeah. or they would make them talk about something that they knew was a disagreement mm-hmm. and they what it was a it was a study on body language i'm sung if you remember this and i'm getting parts of it wrong please correct me but what i remember is that it was a study on body language and it got to the point where the researchers could very, very accurately predict which couples were going to get a divorce mm. simply by watching their, their body language in the middle of a fight. And the number one predictor of divorce was disdain. Yeah, mm. That was actually the response of one person to another. That was the number one predictor that that relationship was doomed to fail. Mm. So like disdain is like an eye roll or like, oh, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of like, um, 
thinking of the other person as less than yeah. was yeah. the number one predictor. Yeah, it was uh, by a guy named Dr. Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N, but that study is uh, a landmark study. And so, yeah, it's not the disagreement that drives a marriage to right. end. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is. It's that disdain, the, I'm, uh, you're stupid, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. It's all the inner workings of that person. Yeah. yeah. And part of that, right, is like in conflict, something that I've like had to learn in myself is, you know, there is, if something is, is like conflict for you, it's, it's worth talking about and Mm, not saying like, Oh, that doesn't even, that doesn't matter. Why are we talking about this? But like, if it is conflict, it's worth bringing up and just talking through because maybe it's not as big in your head as it is in, you know, in real life. And those things don't just go away because as much as I wish they did, they don't just go away because you don't talk about them. Mm -hmm. They sit in there, Mm -hmm. you know, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that I was going to say on the, on the tail end of that study, as you were saying, Sung, that it's not, the, it's not the disagreement itself, but it's the way that you treat it that I think mm-hmm. either strengthens the marriage mm-hmm. or, or weakens it. And one of the things that I, I learned pretty early on, <clears throat> but still took me a while to catch, was that in a relationship, the conflict is the conflict. Mm-hmm. Like the other person is not the problem right the problem is the problem Mm. and what disdain tells us is that you consider the other person to be Mm. the problem Mm -hmm. and and so one of the things that that we've always tried to do whenever we're fighting is to simply say we whichever side we find ourselves on we need to get to the same side so that Mm. we're confronting this problem problem from the same side yeah Mm. um and so i mean and that it gets really nuanced right it's like not a super clear metaphor all the time because you sort of have to to figure out like, well, you see it this way and I see it this way. And then you have to make that the problem without the other person's opinion being the problem. You (laughs) know what I mean? It can get really tricky, but, but inevitably when we find ourselves on the same side of a problem, our marriage is stronger Mm -hmm. at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one way you could frame that is just for both sides to say, Hey, the way we're seeing the problem is the problem. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. Right? To because because yeah. then at least if you acknowledge that perspective, you could say, okay, there, it's not a me versus you thing here. It's, there's something between us yeah. that is getting in the way of you, me yeah. and you. And it's mm-hmm. not either one of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do tend to think of it. Um, I do tend to think of conflict as, uh, or disagreements as like a filter. And so if the other person is on the other side of that, mm-hmm. your perspective of who they are is going to be colored mm-hmm. very, very dramatically by seeing them through the lens mm-hmm. of a conflict. Mm-hmm. And so getting on the same side means that you can see them clearly mm-hmm. and suddenly they're back to the person that you know and love yeah. and are partnering with yeah. to sort of confront an issue yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's big right that's oh, big yeah. because uh in marriages like in other relationships we will uh we will we will defend ourselves based on our intent yeah mm. but we will judge the other person based on their actions mm-hmm. yeah. or, or our perception of their actions yeah. which is even worse <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, go ahead, Christine. Oh, I was just going to say, and that like kind of brings to mind for me, like also one of the big things that made me like appreciate conflict for what it can be is like redefining the win, right? Like the win mm. is not winning the argument. The win is yeah. peace. Yeah. Or um, unity. And healthy peace yeah. and unity. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's good. That's good. Because um, I think. Redefine the win. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> I have to give a talk on conflict and I'm going to steal that one. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think the other thing, when you get into an argument, the issue that you're arguing about usually is not the real issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's usually something underneath that. So whatever incident created that the, or the conditions that created the, the fight become the symptom of something that's deeper that's reflected in uh, in, in that relationship yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and those those disagreements or those conflicts become triggers and and I I appreciate that the the word trigger is triggering like it, <laughs> like people can feel all sorts of ways about that mm-hmm. but for me it's just a helpful term to help me remember oh whatever Amy did or whatever sung did or Christine did is sort of pulling all of this baggage in along behind it. And Mm -hmm. suddenly the emotions that I'm feeling have way more weight than this specific instance. Mm -hmm. And being able to identify that lets you actually have the productive conversation to minimize those things going forward um, and become a healthier person. Mm -hmm. So I use the word trigger because for me, that's what it often feels like. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, Amy said this. And suddenly I find myself just feeling so hurt. And it's because I'm sort of, remembering all the hurt from other times, not mm-hmm. just like what she said yeah. and beginning to be able to like address those hurts with her to kind of say, Hey, can you help me again? Getting mm-hmm. on the same side. Can you help me process this? I don't know why I feel this way or mm-hmm. I don't know why this still bothers me, even though it happened like two years ago, that is actually mm-hmm. what moves the relationship forward. Mm-hmm. Or even like with, you know, with my roommate, you know, we've been having some conversations about like, how can we, you know, like um, help each other kind of grow toward Christ and not like have conflict in our lives, but like, how can we be on the same side over the next year as we're living together? And it was really helpful. One of the things she said is like, hey, I know that these are things that like are small and would be unintentional, but that like trigger all of this baggage. Can we just like make, like just agree now that we aren't going to talk, like we aren't going to talk about these three things this way. Mm. Um, And just knowing like, oh, yeah, because I might have said that, and I yep. wouldn't have known like that. This whole mountain of stuff lies behind it, yep. um, and so even just talking through, like, hey, here are things that that you know seem innocuous on their own, but that they are tied to just years of of burdens. Yeah, um, is helpful. I had a coworker um, that, and we had a we had a great working relationship. We were very friendly in and out of the office. And we, there was a lot of like banter, like a lot of joking and sort of like picking at each other just cause you know, that's sort of like how it went. Uh, but I very, because of the circumstances of my life at the time, I wasn't working at that job full time. I was either trying to start a business on my own or there was some, for some reason. And, uh, and that was really hard for me. Mm. Uh, I, I have not had a healthy relationship with work for much of my life. Mm. And so the fact that I was working there part time felt in some ways like a failure. Like mm. if I could actually, if I was actually like who I should be, I'd be able to do this full time and do all these other things. It just wasn't possible. But I realized that when he would joke about me only being there part time mm. or coming in, you know, in the afternoon or whatever, it was just a no go. Like it just was. I. I. It just triggered me insanely. And so I straight up had that conversation with him. I was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, Brian, there's a lot of stuff that you can make fun of me about. I don't care. You can make fun of I'm fat or I'm bald or I don't care. But I just need this one to be off limits because mm-hmm. I'm really trying to work this out on my own, mm-hmm. and I'm just not at a place where I can find that funny." 
And he was like, all right, man, you got it. Like, and mm-hmm. that was it. He never called me part-timer or, you know, ever again. And, yeah. and so like just putting it out there made, <laughs> uh, made, and I'll be honest, it actually, we did have a bit of a fight cause he was like, he got mad. He's like, well, it's brought me, you know, cause it, it went against the grain of so much of the rest of our relationship mm-hmm. for there to be something off limits. But once we pushed through it, it was way better, you yeah. know? And I didn't ever have to worry about like that again. Yeah. And I feel like there are lots of people where like teasing is like, you know, there's that joke like, oh, teasing is one of my love languages, right? Yeah. Where it's I like, say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where it's like, that can be part of a healthy relationship, but yeah. only if there's communication, yeah. Yeah. you know? Like, it's not a, my mom used to say this all the time. It's not a joke unless everybody laughs, Yeah, you know? And yeah. again, with four brothers it, like that, we said that a lot or she said that a lot. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can really get into it. And she's like, hey, if one of you is not laughing, like it's time to stop. That's yeah. not. Yeah, joke yeah. anymore mm. yeah <laughs> so all, all that we were saying i think one thing that comes to mind in terms of uh, things i wish i knew is that uh fighting disagreements and even tr- arguments and triggers cannot be avoided mm. yeah yeah but uh destructive ones can yeah yeah and and also sometimes uh a fight is the fastest way. It's like a shortcut. (laughs) It sounds awful to say. And I'm not saying this is a strategy that you should employ a lot, but there are times where it's like, you know, I think we just need to sort of like have a little bit of a throwdown about this Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. get it all, lay it all out on the table Mm -hmm. and sort of work our way through it instead of having it in like little pieces over the next six months. Yeah. Yeah. And loving somebody doesn't preclude you you disagreeing with them or, uh, having those kinds of conversations. In fact, I would say part of the reason why that happens more often is because because you love that person, you feel very secure in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you say things much more freely and uh, there, there are things that come out either accidentally or, or in a way that, that sort you did unfiltered. Yeah, unfiltered. Yeah. And so that that is the condition by which that, that relationship has grown over the years. And so the potential for hurt and disagreement and arguments uh, actually increases. Yeah. Mm. And that's why the importance of uh, learning how to fight fairly and, and, uh, and not fight destructively is so important. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the other, the other part of it that I've experienced is that I care more about what Amy thinks of me than anyone else in the world, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. And so the things that she says, they carry so much more weight. So an inadvertent hurt or an unfiltered yeah. comment can cut me much more deeply than if somebody else said it, where I just be like, I don't, you don't know me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Um, and so that, but, but understanding that that is sort of the framework uh, lets it be a conversation instead mm-hmm. of just a wound yeah. You yeah. Know, that sort of lingers. Yeah. 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 What else we want to fight about? <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't much of a fight. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the fight. Yeah. Oh, I, know. I wouldn't call that a fight either. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I need to think of something for you two to fight about. Well, I'll t- let me tell, I'll, let me tell a funny story. That's, <laughs> so we have a, we have a young woman that lives with us. Um, and we were at the table. She was like working on her laptop and I was having some conversation with Amy in the other room. And I was trying to like, sort of get her to like rise, not in like a really like malicious way, but, uh, it wasn't malicious malicious at all. But I was just sort of like trying to get a rise out of her a little Mm -hmm. bit over some topic that is, you know, sort of fair game for these like mini conflicts or or teasing or whatever. 
And she was in this place. I don't know if she just listened to her praise you go or whatever, but she was so peaceful and so calm. And she kept giving me like these super soft answers. And that would just sort of like, like dissolve all of my attempts at teasing. And I was like, I'm trying to like, you are the epitome of a soft answer turns away wrath. And I find it infuriating. (laughs) It made me so mad that I couldn't get a rise out of her, but she was just doing it. She was, she was just not even being a joke. She was like, yeah, that's a good point, honey. And I'm, like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why are you doing? <laughs> well, uh, uh, are you done with the story? Well, I was just going to say that there is a biblical truth that a soft answer turns mm-hmm. away wrath. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the ways that we try to fight. We mm-hmm. try to fight with soft answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other person can be upset, but sort of rising to their level of frustration or anger is never as productive as trying to stay not calm and detached, Mm -hmm. but sort of like peaceful and engaged, Mm -hmm. which is really different. And I, and I know that, that some people can tend to like, I think retreating to a really logical place when you're in the midst of a conflict, Mm -hmm. that is not actually helpful. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a defense mechanism in and of itself because conflicts carry emotions. And so Mm -hmm. divorcing yourself from those emotions in the midst of a conflict doesn't actually bring you closer to resolution. It's Mm -hmm. an attempt to try to be right. That's an, this is speaking from someone who absolutely does this. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anyone else. Um, but one of the things that I've found is like keeping, keeping emotions fully engaged, but trying to bring emotions like forgiveness and Mm -hmm. understanding Mm -hmm. and and peace and compassion, bringing those fully to bear. Um, even if the other person is really upset is Mm -hmm. actually the best way to, to engage in a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even say to part of that list. I think of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability yep. in the midst of conflict can be disarming. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, um, and, and, and when, it, when Amy and I are in a disagreement, usually um, I, I'm much more intense and she's kind of more passive and there are times, and she, she's much more of a listener than I am. And, um, and there are times when um, she will just, break down Mm -hmm. and just be like, this is what I'm feeling. This is, you know, and and just Mm -hmm. like, and I'm not saying this is the only way to be vulnerable, but in our case, and the, the sense of vulnerability, letting me into her heart and why this is hurtful or, or the other stresses that she's feeling and that's causing all this, all of a sudden it's like, it's not even an argument anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I just want to go over and hug her and, and, and comfort her. And so I think in the midst of like in the midst of, fighting and disagreement what we want to do is build a wall mm-hmm. when in fact that's the opposite thing that yeah. thing that needs to happen yep. we need to tear down those walls and be vulnerable because yeah. that just disarms and so in in such powerful ways yeah yeah and i think you know one of the things that was really impactful for me in like my psychology class was learning that anger is a secondary emotion oh, yeah oh it's so good um mm-hmm. and like really realizing like okay if i'm angry is that like has that been triggered by shame Mm -hmm. or by disappointment or by fear or, you know, there are like all of these other emotions and anger is never the primary. Yeah. So like, what is it? What is the root of that? What is that coming from? Um, and then learning to like express that. Cause that's like, you know, you watch, you watch movies or watch TV shows and you're like, why can't they just say what they need? Um, or what they're really feeling instead of being angry. It's like, well, maybe we should learn that lesson. 
Yeah, no, that is so good. Mm-hmm. That is so good because, I, I, yeah, I, I think um, most people think of conflict as being primarily anger centric. Mm-hmm. And while it's true that it can be sort of the loudest emotion in the room, it is very rarely what is actually going on. Yeah. It's sort of like the way that we feel comfortable expressing or, you know, or we just, uh, this is my experience and I just don't know. I just yeah. don't know. I'm like, I'm really angry and I don't know why, mm-hmm. you know, but if you bring that into a conflict, you're not any closer to resolution. Yeah. So Nate, as an Enneagram one and me as an Enneagram eight, where anger is a regular part of our lives. <laughs> Makes me so mad that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and what Christina's saying is t- completely true. Like what, what are your thoughts on kind of what is the, un, what's underneath anger? And, and I know for an, uh, one and an eight, it, it, it's ex, it, the motive and the drive and, and the way it's expressed um, uh, is different. Yeah. What, what do you, what is it that is underneath anger for you? Uh, it's usually shame. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's usually shame like some, and it, it gets, uh, this is why I'm so thankful that I have a patient wife because for me, like conflicts are often, um, how do I describe this? What you did makes me feel something about myself that I don't like. Mm. And so then it like, so then it like flips, but, but I don't want to blame myself or I don't want to acknowledge that. So Mm. I like put it back on her. Mm. And again, thankfully she's really able to uh, (laughs) forget. I forget what it was, but there was, there was something that was going on and she was like, you know, you seem really angry. She's, I forget forget what she said, but it was something like, you know, it seems like you're really angry at the dogs, but maybe, maybe you're actually angry at yourself. (laughs) Like like that's literally what was happening. Oh, this is what it was. I had a back injury. And so I was like laid out on the couch and I couldn't, I was falling behind on all the stuff that needed to be done on the farm and whatever. So I just resorted to yelling at the dogs. (laughs) And she, so, so that's where it is for me. I often Mm. feel like I should be doing this. What you're saying makes me feel like I'm not meeting Mm. that standard. Now I'm ashamed of myself. You made me feel that way. I'm going to take it out on you. Mm. Very complicated. I'm, mm. I'm sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's what, it, that's what it almost always is for yeah. me. Yeah. How, how about you? you? So. Well, for me, I think it is the fear of losing control. Mm. Okay. It, it, it's like, you know, when I think of, especially when my kids were younger, like there would be days, especially when we had to travel or do something or, or catch a plane or something where, where I, like my anger would get triggered. And it was just like, there are things about, the, uh, about like, uh, like if I were on my own, I, I, I would f- at least feel like, even though it's not true, like I, would, I was in control. Yeah. But w- when things are not in my control and, you know, he can't, my son can't get a shoe on because he's like five years old, or, you know, mm-hmm. like that's where anger comes out. And it's kind of like, come on. And, and just not being able to control yeah. mm-hmm. uh, uh, the situation or another person. So it's that fear of like, there's an aspect of my life that I can't control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that carries on over in any and every part of my life as well too. Mm-hmm. Now, here's another thought, Nate, and I'm going to ask you cuz um I don't know cuz <laughs> you've been chosen. Oh jeez. <laughs> so, here here's a thought, uh something I wish I knew, and this goes beyond just marriage. I think it's true just in human relationships, but uh whenever you whatever you judge in your spouse mm-hmm. is probably a reflection of uh something you are judging in yourself. Yeah. I mean, part of, part of like 
what I just explained about where my anger comes yeah, from yeah, is, yeah. Uh, is like right in line with that. Yeah. Like right in line with yeah. that. And that's why I'm asking you, cause you said that and, and mm-hmm. I, I was just trying to crystallize into words like, okay, th- this is a, uh, like I think a universal thing. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and so something that you judge in somebody else, you know, yeah. like for me, I, I, I like if there's anything I judge about people, it'll be like, man, that person is so proud and arrogant. Mm-hmm. And, and and the irony is like, oh, I could sniff it out. Yeah. <laughs> because. Because you stink of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right. It's, yeah, totally, man. I mean, it, I'm reminded of the parable. Jesus says like, before you try to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, like get the log out of mm-hmm. your own. Like yeah. it's that, it's like, it's the same, it's like the same thing is what we are so prone to observing in others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. absolutely true. Uh, my my older brother used to um, have a coach who like he picked on him more than any other person on the team because okay. he was like, "You're so talented, but you're so lazy. You're like the most talented mm. person, and you're also the laziest person." And I just remember my mom. I was like, "Why does he always yell at Chucky?" Mm. And my mom was like, "Well, this was the you know you like you hate the flaws that you see in yourself." Yeah. Um, and you like, and so even as like the student ministry pastor, I'm like, oh, like the thing that I'm like, want to like teach my students most is like, it's not the troublemakers. It's the ones who go along, mm. um, you know, the <laughs> ones who are not natural troublemakers, yeah. but just want to fit in. Cause yeah. I'm like, no, let me help you. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why that like the adolescent and teenage years are so, um, between parents and children mm. are so fraught with conflict because yeah. our kids are sort of like a reflection of ourselves. But when they're teenagers, it's like funhouse mirror, you mm. know? So like the things that you hated about yourself yeah. or that you don't like about yourself, your kid reflects it sort of amplified because mm. everything is amplified when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Right. And so suddenly like, and we've talked about like triggers, but it's like, like you're triggered every time you look at them. Mm. Right. Because it's like, Oh, I wish they would just blah, blah, blah. But you see it because it's a reflection of something you don't like about yourself. Hmm. That's a tough lesson. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think it is possible for couples to be fighting and, uh, it, uh, I guess it's possible to, to both love the person and hate the person at the same time. Mm. (laughs) Hate's a strong word. I think I need a definition of the word hate before I can agree with that mm. one. Okay. What are your thoughts? Um, I use the word hate freely and loosely. Oh, do you really? I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I grew up in a family that like you would never say hate if you meant it. Mm. And so you, you know, so for me it was like, Oh, I hate you right now because I did then mm. by which I mean, uh, you, you're annoying me. Yeah. You're annoying me, yeah. you know? Um, so I also don't have a good definition of hate. Yeah. Oh. We, we never, we never allowed, uh, we never allowed the word hate to in our house mm-hmm. because again, our, when kids are little, they would throw it around and, mm. and we just never allowed it because, mm-hmm. in, because in this, cause my definition of hate is that like, you're like, you're wishing death on the other person. Mm. Like, like if you really are saying that you hate someone, it's sort of like, I wish that you were, I wish that your existence was not a part of my life, Mm. which for me is like wishing death on the person. So we never, we never allowed Mm -hmm. it to be spoken. 
So I, okay. I appreciate it. So it's helpful yeah, that you so. said that because I realized like, oh, I have a super extreme definition yeah. of hate that I've operated under. Which I also have a super extreme definition of hate in the opposite which direction. Like, it where it's like, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, extremely <laughs> yeah. meaningless. Yeah. So, so I wonder if the, uh, and I, I could see both sides where you don't want kids to be throwing around that word in a way that yeah. is just um, flippant and not aligned with the reality of how they feel. At the same time, uh, maybe a marriage, but sometimes even with, let's say, a coworker or somebody, right? There, there is that sense of like, not that you wish death upon them, but like there is a strong sense of like, um, yeah, I want to get back at you. Yeah. Um, and, and so I would even define that as hate. Yeah. Um, uh, so here's here's a here's a close approximation from my own personal experience that I will share. That I I literally have had seasons in my marriage where I where I have said to Amy, um, it it feels more painful to be with you than to be apart from you mm. right now. Mm. Like uh, there is so much so much difficulty in our interactions that it's more painful to be with you than not. And I, and that, that is, that was not apart from how much I love her and my commitment to her and, and all of the things that you would want in a healthy marriage. But that was the honest truth. Mm -hmm. We, we were, and it was a difficult, it was a very difficult season. It was, in fact, it was almost exactly a year ago when mm -hmm. my son was in the hospital multiple times. Um, and we just didn't have any emotions left for each other, except mm -hmm. to apparently trigger each other yeah. <laughs> every time we were in the same room, you know? Um, so I guess that, that would, uh, that might come close to the way that you're sort of defining Mm -hmm. hate yeah, yeah um where it's just like I, I would rather not be around you because yeah. it's mm -hmm. just too painful and, and maybe in the context of marriage maybe that's how i'm defining it it's like mm -hmm. the presence of these negative feelings yes yeah. oh yeah strong painful negative feelings where you're, you don't hate the person or wish death upon them but or or, or you could say extreme dislike yeah. mm -hmm. you know because of just whatever season you're going through um because sometimes i see um people where they dislike mm -hmm. or have these negative feelings and therefore conclude, therefore I don't love that person. Oh, yep. yep. Um, when in fact, I, I guess the point I'm trying to get at is it is possible to love that person um, and, and have all these negative feelings yeah. mm -hmm. that you, you are still trying to process. And there is a season where you dislike them mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. Well, the place where that really gets tricky is, is when you're defining love as an emotion, right? If you, if you're right. if you're defining love as the way that you feel, then it's true that those, there isn't space for those two negative emotions right. to, to coexist. If you define love as, um, as a decision and as an act, then suddenly it's like, oh, there's no conflict there. Like those two things yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. occur in the same space, in the same relationship, in the same person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of the Reliant K lyrics. Uh, I, I don't know even that, know who that is. Ah, wow, I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but this sounds is, like a cereal. Yeah, <laughs> Reliant Feel like a regular, <laughs> regular tries some Reliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nate. <laughs> is, um, is it a band you really it's, like? It's a band. Um, so <laughs> you're gonna feel really bad in a second. Oh, it's no. my cousin's Here comes band. the fight. Let's go. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, I'm a horrible person. No, it's, I, I don't. They were popular like maybe 10 years ago, 
but there's this there's this one lyric where it's I know I that I don't hate you, but right now I just don't like you. Yeah. And it comes in the middle of this song about like a fight. Mm. And and it just gets like repeated again and again and again. And I just remember like I don't know, when I when I feel because I, you know, twos, I feel like we like stuff, stuff that anger down. I don't feel any negative emotions ever. Don't even worry about it. Um, and so when it does come up, um, I find myself just like, like the like lyrics, just like meditating on those. Mm. Like, I know that I don't hate you, yeah. but right now I just don't like you. Oh, somebody's trying to call me. Oh, I thought you were about to play the song. Yeah. Like, no, wow. no, <laughs> we have gone high tech right now. Uh, sorry, Jeff. I just hung up on you. <laughs> Yeah, it it is good. And I mean, even in that, we're talking about how, how important it is to sort of define what is happening. Mm -hmm. You know, even like Christine, when you talked about like anger is, is perhaps the, the, it's not, it's not the the main emotion, right? It's a masking emotion, like breaking all those things down in the midst of conflict, I Mm -hmm. think is so important Yeah, uh, because we're, what is on the surface, um, like a feeling of dislike mm-hmm. or, um, you know, whatever else it might be mm-hmm. is so rarely where the actual sort of work needs to yeah. be. Done. Yeah. 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 And I think like, you know, even in, in what you said to Amy of like, it's more painful to be with you than apart where it's like, it's not again, it, like just defining the terms of like, sometimes it's like, Oh, I don't want to be with them and I don't right. care. It's because they're terrible. It's like, no, it's just, it's painful yep. right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's more painful than I wish it was. Yeah. And even in that you can start, uh, you can start to make choices, yeah. right? If, if what you, if, if sort of where it stops is I'm angry or mm-hmm. I dislike you or mm-hmm. I hate you or there's, there's nowhere, there's no way forward from mm-hmm. that. It just, it's what, it's what is, it's what you feel. And that's like all that is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can begin to break it down then suddenly it's like, well, am I willing, for example, am I willing to be in pain for the good of my family mm-hmm. and my marriage? Yeah. Yes. I can choose that. I yeah. can choose to be in pain and stay close to you because the pain won't last forever, mm-hmm. but we're able to take steps forward. Um, so it is like, you just gotta yeah. And sometimes in this, we found this to be helpful. You need somebody else to help you see that stuff, Mm -hmm. man. You can be when it's, when it's too cloudy in the midst of a conflict, oftentimes a third person can help. Mm -hmm. And that's one other thing to maybe throw out there as a, I wish things I wish I knew is that seeking help in marriage, marriage counseling is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of courage Mm -hmm. um, to actually face the issues and acknowledge that there's a problem. Because I think there's uh, also the stigma like, well, we're getting marriage counseling. Oh, gosh, your your marriage must be terrible. Right. In fact, I mean, you you, uh, seeking a third perspective uh, is always good. Whether (laughs) and the the worst time to get it is when you're in the midst of crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's best to get it before and just always have somebody walking alongside you. Yeah. Or even at a point where you feel like you're maybe like stuck. Like mm-hmm. it's not like you, it's not like, yeah. it's not like the conflict is perpetual and, mm-hmm. and unending, but it's more like this feels like something that we're sort of stuck in mm-hmm. before this, you know, really becomes a problem. Let's try to get it sorted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of, um, there's a, cu- a couple that um, just got married. One of the things that they were, you know, we were talking about, like, how are you guys, you know, doing in your first year? And they were like, well, you know, when we did our premarital counseling, we committed to once a month for the first year when all of these conflicts are coming up, like, we're going to keep seeing our, our marital counselor 
and just like that is so bring in smart. A thir- third set of eyes um, just for this first year when all of these things are going to come up instead of waiting until five years down the yeah. road. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean, Amy, and I always say like premarital counseling is helpful, but what everyone actually needs is postmarital yes. counseling. Like yeah. really you need to do exactly what that couple yeah. did, which is exactly. like, you need somebody to walk because in the beginning, like before you're married, you can have these disagreements or differences of opinion around anything, finances mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. scheduling or how often you see friends or, you know, and, it's one thing to sort of theoretically disagree. It's another to live in that day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And you, the first year of marriage, like you can't get away from it. All those things come up and they are right in your face. So that's, yeah. that, man, kudos to those people. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, that's good. Boy, um, uh, uh, other thoughts about conflict and fighting and disagreements. Um, I just want to like also take a moment to like hearken back to last episode (laughs) Um, where, you know, that just that idea of um, instead of like keeping a storing up wrongs in the bank, storing up rights and and those healthy moments of like being able to like put an end to a fight and and love each other well after, you know, because it it can be really helpful, like you said, to bring up like sometimes you just need to duke it out for an hour and like that can get you, you know, can bring everything up to the surface. Yeah. But then being willing to like, okay, we're not going to like hold on to all of these negative emotions for the next week. We're going to like, you know, just make a conscious effort to, to love each other. Yeah. So that actually reminds me of something that I'm actually glad that I, I remembered to say, um, which is that there were, uh, there was a season where we had lots of young kids. Our lives were super stressful for a bunch of different reasons. And we didn't really have the energy to fight when conflicts came up. Mm. But again, if you're willing to sort of deconstruct a conflict into a conversation, we, we actually decided that we were just going to keep a list and Amy had a journal and whenever a disagreement came up and at that season of our life, they came up regularly, we would just say, put it on the list and Mm. we would put it on the list. Mm. And then we had some good friends of ours who agreed to watch our four kids once a week Mm. and we would go out and the first hour of our date night would be working our way through the list. Mm. And then we would take an hour or the rest of the night would be devoted to something that we liked to do together, Mm. whether it was going to a coffee shop or going out to eat or watching a movie or something that was like relationship building. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, man, we did that for months until we made it all the way through the list (laughs) where we would just be like, put it on the list, put it on like, you don't like the way I handled that situation with the kids. Like put it on the list. We don't have the juice to fight about it right now, but I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Like Mm -hmm. on Thursday night. And that, that worked. It's, I don't know that it, is always the, the right solution. But mm-hmm. for that season of our life, it was absolutely, it absolutely was good for our marriage. Yeah. And like, you know, that kind of, uh, so my, my brother and my sister-in-law just got married, um, this summer and they had like an advice book from married couples. And okay. one of the pieces of advice, which I think, again, it's like good in certain seasons is this couple who had been married for 40 years said, um, don't listen to people who say, don't go to bed angry. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> because yeah. like the worst time to fight is when you're exhausted, mm-hmm. hungry. Heck yeah. Tired. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like, before you fight, take a nap, <laughs> eat a snack. Yeah. Have, a, <laughs> have like, a sandwich. Yeah. And have, then that is fight. absolutely, that yeah. is great um, marriage advice. And so I think, you know, again, there are some times when it's like, okay, if it's going to 
sometimes you need to have a fight before you go to bed. Sure. Um, But there are seasons when you're exhausted where you need to like have the right conditions for a disagreement. Totally. Um, And those conditions are not when you like a baby is crying and one of them (laughs) is like yelling at you from the other room and you're exhausted and you haven't slept for three days. Yeah. No, go to bed angry. Although again, the caveat is there like, it has to be in agreement because sometimes I'm fine going to bed angry and (laughs) my wife's going to be up all night. And so we'll just say, I'll say like, is this going to keep you up all night? Cause if it is, I'm like, I'm just going to like stand up, do some jumping jacks and we'll like, we'll like get it. We'll yeah. all have that conversation. But if you're okay delaying this, can we sleep on it and talk about it in the morning? Yeah. Also great advice, man. Uh, another advice and, and I've heard it and, uh, and it's pr- pretty common. Uh, I've heard it around many places, but just, just for the sake of seeing the obvious too, like when you're in, in a fight too, uh, to not use the words never and always, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You always do this, you know, well, you never do that. And also just understand that uh, your opinion and your perspective is not the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's your perspective. Mm-hmm. But it, it, when you're in, in the heat of battle, like your perspective, it feels like your perspective is the truth. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm exhausted. <laughs> this has been a productive per- fight. Perfect time to get into a fight. <laughs> no, for real. It's just there's it like it brings up all it for me it brings up all these um, again, I think Amy and I fight really well, but it's hard work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is hard. Yeah. It's hard work to yeah. fight well because it's yeah. much easier to sort of like just be angry and just sort of rage and feel better about like venting mm-hmm. than it is to actually try to get through the other Or just side. to ignore it and live in peaceful yeah. detente, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll just kind of be here together. Yeah. Phew. Yeah. Man, this is some uh, some good life lessons, you guys. Well, next episode, we're going to talk about, um, let me see, let me, uh, uh, oh, music starting. I don't have time. No, 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 yeah, no go for it. <laughs> I look, look up, I turn it right back Okay. Down. The, the, I, I love paradoxes in general because mm. okay. right? they always like speak to kind of different truths. So on one hand, like don't marry someone you can live with, marry somebody you can't live without. Mm. That's on one hand. On the other hand is this whole idea that like, uh, if you can't be happy without your, your, your spouse, you're, you're not going to be happy when you're with them. Yeah. Yeah. So those are two kind of paradoxes that are both true. Yeah. Christine, I feel like the story of like your brother getting married and sort of like learning to love mm. is going to, is going to, I'm going to ask a lot of questions about yeah. that. Sounds good, man. Mm. I cannot wait. <laughs> so we'll see you guys next time.